0: Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It's such a perfect
1: picture of what it says in Amos 3.3. Can two walk together? Except they be agreed, so they went. So they two went. It tells us they have this agreement together. And God's not happy in verses fifteen through seventeen. God doesn't enjoy the argument. But now, when it says so, they two went. God is so happy. And so, what does He do? It's like what He does whenever there's agreement. He points down from heaven and He says the words of Psalm one thirty three one. Behold, look, everybody. Behold. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren, or in this case, sister, to dwell together in unity. These two sisters, they're walking together in unity. Isn't that wonderful to see? And we can imagine how this relationship has now become. There's Naomi as they two went. As they two went. And as Naomi and Ruth went, we can see that Naomi has an advantage. Naomi has a particular advantage. As they two went, between Ruth and Naomi, Naomi has the advantage of being a Jew or a Jewess. What advantage is that? It's the advantage that Paul spoke about in Romans 3, 1 and 2. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So as they too went we can see that Naomi as a Jew has committed, she is part of the people of Israel. And what has happened, that means is that God has given to them the word of God. And Ruth is part of the Moabite people. God didn't give the word of God to the Moabite people. So as they two went, we can see Ruth asking Naomi lots of questions. Questions about what? Questions about the oracles of God questions about the Bible. As they two went, we can hear Ruth saying to Naomi, tell me all about the Bible. At last, I got you alone to myself. Now, Naomi, tell me all about the Bible. Start in Genesis, and I want you to tell me from the Bible all about the good provision of God in the creation. And after you do that, I want you to tell me from the Bible all about the good salvation of God in the flood. And after that, I want to tell I want you to tell me from the Bible all about the good calling and the preservation of God in the life of Abraham. And after that, I want you to tell me from the Bible about the good deliverance of God out of Egypt. And after that, I want you to tell me from the Bible, all about the good law of God that was given on Mount Sinai. And when you finish with that, I want you to tell me from the Bible all about the good tabernacle of God during the, in the desert. When you finish with that, I want you to tell me from the Bible all about the good protection of God of the people of Israel during the 40 years when they wandered in the desert. And on and on it went. And as they too went, that's the beauty of those words. As they too went, Ruth would be from morning to night just milking out of Naomi. The Word of God. And just like a kid goes to a cow to milk out of the cow the milk that he wants with her questions, Ruth is milking out of Naomi the Word of God. Because Naomi has the advantage of having been the people who were committed to her people, the oracles of God or the Word of God. And Ruth knew that Naomi, as a Jew, had been raised on the Word of God and that Naomi had been a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jesus, for a long time. And Ruth wanted to know the Word of God just as well as Naomi did. And Naomi was willing to teach her the oracles of God. And Ruth wanted to have the same advantage that Naomi had. And Naomi wanted Ruth to have that same advantage too. Ruth knew the advantage that Naomi had, as Paul put it. And he delineated more in Romans 9, 4 through 5. And he says, The Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants... And the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises, and whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Messiah came, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. And Ruth wanted to hear from Naomi all about, tell me, tell me, about the adoption of God. Tell me about the glory of God. Tell me about the covenants of God. Tell me about the law of God. Tell me about the service of God, the promises of God, but especially especially, I want to hear about the Messiah of God. And as Ruth, as a new believer, was hungry for the milk of the word of God and everything it revealed, and these words, as they went, the more Naomi would tell Ruth from the Bible, the more Naomi would grow. She would just grow in her faith. And that's the picture of 1 Peter 2.2. As newborn babes, Ruth, desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. So verse 19, so they too went, tells us a lot about what was happening. But you know, those words in verse 19 also are very important because they're telling us about a great change that has not only happened in Ruth, but a change that has happened in Naomi. It's describing for us a change in Naomi, when it says in verse 19 so they two went it's describing for us Naomi's change what change to let Ruth into her life and to feed her the word of God now when we see this change this brings us the question what about us how about us we're the Naomis in this chapter We're the Naomis who've been raised on the word of God. We're the Naomis who have the advantage. We're the Naomis who know the Bible. We're the Naomis who know all about from the Bible, the good provision of God and the creation, the good salvation of God from the flood, the good calling and preservation of God in Abraham's life, the good deliverance of God from Egypt, the good law of God from Mount Sinai, the good tabernacle of God in the wilderness, the good protection for the 40 years. We know that. We're the Naomis. We're the Naomis who know from the Bible all about the adoption of God, the glory of God, the covenants of God, the law of God, the service of God, the promises of God, the Messiah of God. We know that. We are the Naomis. But the question is, where's our Ruths? Where are our Ruths? Where are the Ruths in our lives that we're feeding the Word of God to? Where are the Ruths in our lives who are milking out of us the truths of the Word of God? Where is the verse 19 in our lives? So they too went. Where's that scene in our lives of of us as Naomi and our hungry Ruths that we're feeding? We are the Naomi's. And the question is, where's the Ruths in our lives? Could it be that we are the Naomi's of verse 15? Could it be that we look at the lost all around us and say the words of verse 15 as Naomi said? Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. Return after all the others. Could it be that we're the Naomi's of verse 15 saying about the lost, ah, it's just another lost sinner. Let them go to hell with all the other lost ones. They were non-chosen, non-elect. No, Do we look at it that way? Do we look at the lost and say the words of verse 15, return after your gods of pleasure and after your gods of wealth and after your gods of prestige? The difference between the Naomi saying in verse 15, return unto thy gods, to the Naomi in verse 19, so they two went, was Naomi's willingness to get involved in Ruth's life. In verse 15, when Naomi said to Ruth, return after your gods, Naomi was saying to Ruth, I have plenty of my own problems in life. I got a lot of problems. You want to hear about them? I'll tell you. I can't get involved with your problems. That's it. Leave me alone. That's what she was saying. But in verse 19, where it says, So they two went, Naomi has changed. Naomi has changed. She should now be willing to get involved in Ruth's life. And the great change happened to Naomi from not being willing to be involved in her life of Ruth to being willing to be involved in the life of Ruth. And that's the meaning of those words, so they two went. And the question is, are we willing to get involved in the life of a God-hungry soul? Are we willing to? And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I can hear you saying, I don't know any God-hungry souls. (laughs) I don't see anybody sitting next to me. You know, it's a lost God-hungry soul. I can hear you saying, no one has come to me lately saying, what must I do to be saved? That hasn't happened last week. I can hear you saying, there are no Ruths in my life. But the question is not that. The question is, are you willing? That's the question for me. That's the question for you. Are we willing to have the Ruths in our lives? Are we the Naomi of verse 15, saying, Leave me alone, let the lost return to their gods. All the better. They've been predestined for that. Or are we willing to be the Naomi of verse 19 and get involved in the lives of Ruth's? So they too went. It all boils down to, are we the Naomi's willing to get involved or not willing to get involved in the lives of Ruth? And if we're willing to get involved, then God will give us a heart that we should go out and find the lost and make them hungry for God. And if we're willing to get involved, then God will bring us the roots who are already hungry for God. Now, Don Ailes, there is Don, and he's the chairman of Child Evangelism Fellowship here in San Diego. Don, how many schools have a Bible club now? Seventy. How many could have one? There you go. 525, 70 have 525, lost kids in those schools who could be made hungry for God if we're willing to get involved. Lots of Ruths, lots of Ruths in those schools who, are, who could be made hungry for God or who are hungry for God if we're willing to change from the Naomi of verse 15 to the Naomi of verse 19. It all comes down to the question, are we willing to get involved? It was 1960s, 64, a girl named Genevieve returned home from work to her home in Queens, outside of New York City, in Kew Gardens. It was late at night when she arrived at her apartment. She got out of her car, she noticed a man who was standing in the bushes, so she immediately made her way over to the police call box, but before she got to there, the man stabbed her, and she cried out, oh my God, he stabbed me. Lights went on, windows opened up. Some people yelled out, leave that girl alone. And the assailant drove off in his car. Genevieve then crawled her way through her blood towards her apartment. The assailant returned back. He came back. He found her. He stabbed her again. She cried out, he stabbed me again. Please help me. Again, windows open. Neighbors yelled, go away. Leave her alone. He drove off. Even though she had lost a lot of blood, somehow she made it to the door of the apartment there. And she was reaching for the handle when the assailant returned a third time and stabbed her to death as she cried out, I'm dying! And the assailant wept. Next day, police came, combed the area for clues. A news team arrived also. They interviewed the neighbors there in the apartment. They found 38 people who witnessed the whole event and the whole protracted killing of Genevieve. And they found out not one of them called the police. Not one of them came down to rescue her. And so when the news team then asked these 38 people, why, why didn't you call the police? Why didn't you come to help? They all said the same thing. They didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to get involved. They had their own problems in their life. They didn't want to get involved. What a condemnation. They didn't want to get involved. Verse 15, Naomi is saying to Ruth, Ruth, I don't want to get involved in your life. Ruth, I have my own problems in my life, and I don't have time to get involved in your life. Ruth, I have just lost my husband already and my two sons, all of my children. My wealth is gone. I'm now reduced down to the level of a beggar I don't have time to get involved with you. Go back with your sister-in-law. Go back to your gods. Leave me alone. And in verses 16 and 17, Ruth was saying to Naomi, Naomi, I won't let you. You will get involved in my life. Naomi, I need you. You know the Bible. I need the Bible. You know God. I need God. And in verses 16 and 17, that was really God saying to Naomi, Naomi, you need to get involved in Ruth's life. You need, that's my calling for you. Naomi, you're saying to Ruth to mind your own business while you mind your own business. But Naomi, taking care of Ruth is my business. Naomi, you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. It's the spiritual model for Scanner Buddies. So in verse 18, Naomi could see that she had to get involved in Ruth's life. She, because Ruth wasn't going to let her not, for one thing. And God wasn't going to let her not either. So verse 19, Naomi agrees to get involved in Ruth's life. And verse 19, Naomi is is saying, I'm not going to be a Jonah. I'm not going to run away from Nineveh. So they two went. And we are the Naomi's. And there are Ruth's out there. But the question is, are we willing to get involved? Now we read the rest of the sentence in verse 19. So they went until they came to Bethlehem. So as the two are approaching Bethlehem, the anticipation is mounting. It's been about 10 years since Naomi has left Bethlehem. And we can imagine as they're walking together and they're approaching Bethlehem that Ruth has asked Naomi to tell me all about your city. Tell me about Bethlehem. And we can hear Naomi say, oh, Oh, I'll tell you about my city. It's a wonderful city. It's beautiful. It's got beauties. Bethlehem. Oh, there's a well there. Later on, David's in 2 Samuel twenty three fifteen. David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink out of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And as they approach Bethlehem, we can hear Naomi explain to Ruth the meaning. I have to tell you the meaning of the word Bethlehem. It means house of bread. And you know how wonderful bread is? In El Cajon, we have this restaurant, Alibaba, near our house. It's an Arabic restaurant. It's a restaurant that I go to. I never tell them I'm Jewish because I don't want to be excluded from the wonderful bread they have there. Flat bread is so good. It's baked about 18 inches round. It just comes out right out of the oven. It's so soft. It's so chewy. It's so yeasty. It's so good. They bring so much of it. And the first time I went, I couldn't eat it all. They said, do you want to take it home? And I said, yeah, I need some insulation for the walls of my house. We talked about Romans 3, 1. Uh, What advantage then hath the Jew? Well, I'll tell you, there's a disadvantage that the Jew has, and that's a disadvantage if a Jew happens to like Arabic food was my favorite restaurant in London when I'd go there for business trip was this Arabic restaurant and I just love the I still do love the food that's there but it kept getting more and more and more and more more and more what happened and more or less uh, non-Arabic customers were becoming less and less but I liked the food so I went there all the time until one night when the owner came to me and says you know you're killing our wives and daughters and I said, well, I'm not hungry. So I left, you know. But I, I went back at the hotel, and I really wanted the food. And I didn't know what to do. So I remember they had delivery service. So I called up. I made my order from the hotel for delivery service. And they asked me, I said, what's your name? And I told them, Habib. I said, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Habib. I told them, you know. They knocked on the door. I guess I looked like a Habib. I got the food. I got home from that trip. And Cheryl was at the airport holding a big sign. Welcome home, Habib. <laughs> verse 19 back to the Bible so they went until they came to Bethlehem, and they approached Bethlehem. And we can hear Naomi say more to Ruth, "Oh, Ruth, Bethlehem! This is really a beautiful city. It's surrounded by these lush fields, and they produce beautiful grains. Like we're talking about the time they went it was the barley harvest. And the city; those grains are brought in, and all the houses, the bread is made. And oh, Ruth, during the harvest, all the smells and the houses of bread—it's so wonderful. As a matter of fact, it's just one giant house. It's like the whole." city is just one giant house of bread that's why it's called bethlehem and as naomi is describing bethlehem as the house of bread where you could get and eat all the bread to your heart's content little did they know that the prophet micah later would reveal that out of bethlehem would come the messiah in micah 5 2 but thou bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Little did Naomi and Ruth know when the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem, the house of bread, where you could eat bread to your heart's content, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, and he would say about himself in John six thirty five, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. In John 6.48. I am that bread of life, and John 6.51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven, and John 6.58. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, which are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. In John 6.33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Little did Naomi know, as she described Bethlehem to Ruth, that she was describing the place of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, as we've just seen all throughout John 6, is the bread of life, the living bread, the bread that came down from heaven, the bread of God. And this was so therapeutic. Therapeutic. For Naomi as she brought her new convert into the land of Israel as they went together. We can imagine Ruth asking Naomi, tell me about God. Tell me again, tell me again. And their time of their traveling was great bonding for these two. It was a healing for Naomi as well as a growing for Ruth. And the anticipation would build as they came into Bethlehem. And even though it's been a long, long time since she was back home. It says in verse 19, So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And then they arrive in Bethlehem, and it says Naomi made quite a stir, it says, when she got there. So they two went until they came together, and it came to pass when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? All the city was moved. And they said, Is this really her? By the way, that's all in the feminine form, so it's all the women who are talking. Which normally is the way it is, but anyway. So, (laughs) a big uproar. It's it's been over ten years. Naomi, her husband, been prominent family. Now look, what a sight. Is this really her? Is this Naomi? Is it really you, Naomi? No Eli Melech, no sons. Really? What happened? And then Naomi speaks in verse 20. And she says, I'll tell you what happened. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi means pleasant, Mara means bitter. Naomi says, "Uh, don't, uh, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. And she blames God for her condition. It's all the Almighty's fault. He dealt very bitterly with me. She calls God by his name El Shaddai. Shaddai, Almighty. And she said he could could have chosen whatever he would have done, but, you know, in verse 21. And then she tells them, she says, I went out full but came back. The Lord brought me back empty. So Naomi said to these women, I went out full. You went out full? I can't believe that Naomi has just said that she went out full. She went out full. That's not exactly what the first verse in this book says. <laughs> this first verse says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man, he left and went to Moab. He has wife, his two sons. That's not exactly the way it was, Naomi. You didn't go out full. There was a famine. You were chased out because you didn't have anything to eat. You weren't full, you were empty. You know? And so now, why did she do that? Why did Naomi say that she went out full? Why did she say that she went out full when she really went out empty? The reason is because of what it says about our hearts, in Jeremiah 179. "The heart is deceitful. That means it tells lies to us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Naomi could not trust her heart any more than you and I could trust our hearts, because it tells lies. And Naomi was deceived by these lies to think of her past inaccurately. wasn't exactly the way it was. That happened to the children of Israel. Their hearts told them lies. Their hearts deceived them into thinking inaccurately about their past. When it says in Exodus 14, 12, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians? Then then we should die in the wilderness? Numbers 14, 3. Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Numbers 11, 15, 11, 5. We remember the fish. They liked fish. We remember the fish, which we did Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. And the Egyptians, that's not exactly the way it was. Because in Exodus 1, 13-14, a little bit different picture is painted when it says, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field and in the service wherein they made them serve with vigor. It came to Exodus 2.23. It came to pass in process of time the time the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried. And their cry came out to God by reason of the bondage. That's what our hearts do to us. They cause us not to remember the past accurately. Now, that will be where we'll have to stop this morning. How do you feel this morning? You feel fed? You feel like you've eaten a lot of Alibaba bread? That nice soft, chewy. (laughs) Let's pray. Bread of heaven, we pray to you. Like the hymn says, you've fed us. We thank you. Fed us till we want no more. Thank you for feeding us. We love you for caring
0: for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051 or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.